Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably gonna break up with you. He's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Today is a Monday. Monday, December 16th, 2019. And on today's O Show, we're recapping NFL Week 15. It's been a while, NFL. We talk NFC East Showdown next Sunday night between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going down in Philly next week. We're also going to discuss... The other stuff that happened, because there was other stuff too, a lot of teams clinched their playoff spots in the National Football League this past week. A lot of teams, a lot of elite teams, the Patriots clinched, the Packers clinched, the 49ers clinched, the Seahawks clinched, a lot of teams clinched. We'll discuss the current NFL playoff picture for 2019. And speaking of 2019, it's coming to a close. The final WWE pay-per-view of 2019, as well as the final pay-per-view of the decade, took place last night in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Tables, ladders, and chairs. TLC from the Twin City. It was underwhelming. I'm not shocked. Bray Wyatt wrestled as himself, not as The Fiend. Daniel Bryan returned as the American Dragon, and the Lana Rusev-Bobby Lashley uh, drama got even more cringy, so why not talk about it? This is episode 130 of The O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. This podcast is also sponsored by TickPick. Use the promo code OSHOW10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your next order at TickPick.com. You should have used TickPick. We're also sponsored by Mega Nutrition for all you meatheads into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights. Use the promo code OSHOW20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order using Mecha Nutrition Store. And for the rest of the month of December, we're also sponsored by STI Holiday. Merry Christmas, everybody. NFL Week 15 and WWE TLC right now. Let's go. I believe the last NFL week we recapped with Jared Klim from Belly Up Sports was NFL week five, question mark. It's been 10 weeks since we've re- ta- uh, recapped football. Uh, I'm beginning to become a casual fan more and more of the NFL, more by the day, really. It's, it's the same song and dance as far as I'm concerned. The Patriots are serious Super Bowl contenders while battling a cheating scandal. The Cowboys have been up and down all season, being really underwhelming with an overwhelmingly talented team. The Giants and the Jets are two of the worst teams in the NFL. The Browns are a disappointment. Ben Roethlisberger can't stay healthy. The Texans are playoff bound, but not a real threat. With the exception of the 49ers, Ravens, and I guess you could say the Buffalo Bills breakout years, it feels like we're repeating the same year over and over and over and over again. You could say that this uh, this is Tom Brady's worst season yet. That's what a lot of people are saying. But come on. The, the Pats are 11-3. and three. They're going to get a first-round bye. They're going to turn up in the postseason, and it's going to be the same song and dance. What? He, he has no offensive line. He has no weapons. 
What stopped him from turning things around before? I mean, Lamar Jackson isn't stopping Tom Brady in the postseason. If you thought Patrick Mahomes was stopping Tom Brady last year and were disappointed, you're going to be disappointed again this year. As far as the NFC goes, well, there's a ton of great teams. I'll give them that. Uh, Never before has there been so many talented teams entering one postseason, at least from a record standpoint. I mean, the 49ers, 12-2. The Packers, 11-3. The Saints eleven and three, the Seahawks eleven and three, the Vikings are ten and four, and then there's about fifty feet of crap, and then underneath all of that crap are the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. So both teams are sitting at seven and seven right now. Seven and seven. That's the threat coming through the NFC playoff race in 2019. Seven and seven. Watch out for the NFC East, boys. I mean, this has been the worst division in football for the past three years, even when Philly won it all when they went 13-3 and two seasons ago. Next Sunday, we will see the Dallas Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles for essentially the NFC Championship. If the Cowboys win, they're the NFC champions. If the Eagles win, they'll have uh, the first place advantage heading into Week 17, and I'll explain how that works. The Cowboys beat the Eagles in Arlington back in October, meaning if they win on Sunday, they get the division regardless if both teams finish the season 8-8 eight eight due to the tiebreaker. They win both games during the regular season. If the Eagles win, they grab first place for the time being, and then it'll come down to Week 17 because if both teams finish 8-8, eight eight, it'll come down to scores. So essentially, not officially, but essentially, this is the NFC Championship game next week in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field between Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. Two very talented teams with two very extremely poorly underwhelming years from an offensive and defensive standpoint. I mean, the Cowboys could have easily been a 12-team, uh, 12-win team this year, if not an 11-win team. Their defense was rated top 10 in the league back in August, uh, albeit a crappy schedule to start. They were 3-0. and uh, Again, I think they played, what, the Dolphins, Redskins, and Giants. And with Dak showing signs uh, of his rookie campaign with historic passing numbers, I mean, historic uh, touchdown passing numbers in his first three weeks as well. And then all of a sudden, with a snap of my fingers, they were 500, just like that. I mean, what the hell happened? We finally played a team above 500 in the Saints in week four, and everything fell apart. I mean, the offense hasn't clicked. The defense hasn't performed. The talent's there. I I know I'm beating a dead horse by saying this, but Jason Garrett, it's time to go, pal. Nearly a a decade as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and you've made zero progress since Wade Phillips left back in 2009. Zero progress. How has Jason Garrett been the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for a decade without seeing one Super Bowl appearance? It's quite mind-boggling. So Jerry Jones, for the love of Jerry World, you know what to do on Black Monday or whenever the Cowboys season is over. Please, for the love of Tony Romo, axe this man. And as well as for Philly, well, uh, I hate to be the one to break it to you, Philly fans, but your organization just doesn't believe in your beloved Carson Wentz. You know how I know that? Because they've got the statue of the backup quarterback discussing play calls with your current head coach outside Lincoln Financial Field as you're listening to this podcast right now. That's right. Nick Foles, current quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is getting way more recognition as an all-time legend in the city of Philadelphia than your beloved Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, who should be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league with his potential, has completely stumbled since returning from that torn ACL two years ago, has not been the same quarterback, and that's an understatement. These are two organizations that should be entering Week 16 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with two 10-plus win football teams right now. But they're not, and they're not even close to that. 
So the storyline going into this game should have read Cowboys versus Eagles for the right to fight for a chance to head to Miami, Super Bowl 53. But instead, it's going to read this, Cowboys versus Eagles for the opportunity to be humbled and victimized by the Seattle Seahawks on January 4th or 5th. Because there's no way the Seattle Seahawks are losing that wild card game, even if it's on the road in Philly or in Dallas. But I will say this. The Los Angeles Rams were an utter disappointment yesterday in Arlington, Texas. Utter disappointment. And I'm a Cowboys fan. They walked into Jerry's world with an 8-5 record, coming off a huge win against the 10-2 Seahawks team on Sunday Night Football last week, going up against a flat-out, unconfident Dallas team that has lost three straight. And you got utterly outclassed by Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. I mean, who the hell were these guys? This was not the same Cowboys team we've seen all year. I, I think I said the same thing after the Cowboys Sunday night football game against Philly in October. They were coming off a loss at MetLife Stadium to the New York Jets, a team that hadn't won a game all year long, and they got smoked. I was honestly pissed that they won that game against Philly on Sunday night football because they didn't deserve to play that well. I mean, being a Dallas Cowboy fan is the most confusing slash frustrating fan in the game of football. They lose, they disappoint. They win, they still disappoint you. They annihilated a very good football team at home in a must-win game, so I guess I can be happy about that. Still doesn't give me any hope that they'll turn a 180 in the next three weeks. I mean, I could honestly see them losing Week 17 against Washington. I don't trust them. As good as Dak was on Sunday, his overall numbers don't say that he's going to get the job done. I mean, just to back up my claim, here's Dak Prescott's home and away splits for the 2019 season. He's got 14 touchdown passes at home, 10 touchdown passes on the road. It's pretty even. Uh, uh, 21.05 passing yards at home. That's 2,105, if you can't count. 2,105 passing yards at home, 2,017 passing yards on the road, so he's got about, give or take, 100, more or less. Uh, not a big margin there either. Seven interceptions at home, four interceptions on the road. That's a little, but uh, still concerning. He's gotten uh, more turnovers at home than he does on the road. He's taken 12 sacks at home, and he's taken six sacks on the road. I don't know how the O-line is more motivated at home in front of your hometown crowd. Uh, th- these numbers are undeniably close, so what makes you think that he's going to perform bad or good any week, any day, any time, at any place? There's no telling who the hell is going to show up each and every Sunday, but I guess i got to be optimistic. Maybe he'll uh, lead them to an NFC title game. Maybe they'll lose out. He did win a big game on uh, Sunday, big game yesterday. He'll have another big game this Sunday in Philly against Carson Wentz's Eagles. It's for the NFC Championship. We'll see what happens. On to other NFL news. The New England Patriots are once again, yes, once again headed to the NFL postseason, clinching a postseason berth after their victory on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost two in a row before coming into Cincy, and I can only imagine Bill telling the press before the allegation questions came up, just like we're on to Cincinnati. But anyways, this is probably the first year in a long time where the Pats don't really have the division wrapped up. It, it normally doesn't take them that long. It, you, it's usually decided by week five, week six during a normal season. But I guess you can say that this year is different. The Buffalo Bills, that's right, the Buffalo Bills are giving them a run for their money. But in the end, this is Bill and Tom's division. I, I think the Bills would actually have to win out. Two games left to go. Yeah, the Bills would have to win out, and the pa- pa- Patriots would have to go one and one in order for Buffalo to walk away with an AFC East title. I mean, holy crap, did I really just say that? I mean, I believe last Sunday night's game, correct me if I'm wrong, last Sunday night's game against the Steelers, which the Bills won, by the way, was Buffalo's first 
Sunday night football game on NBC since 2007. 12 years since they've been invited to play on Sunday night football. Imagine not being invited to something for 12 years. That's like not being invited to your boss's Christmas party for 12 years because you were such a worthless employee for over a decade, but then one year you shocked everybody by putting up unbelievable numbers. The Bills are in a great spot, too. Um, they, they don't want to screw this up. They're in a great spot here. The, if, if the postseason started today, they would get the ultimate postseason buy by playing the Houston Texas in Houston in an AFC wildcard game. I mean, they're guaranteed to win. The Texans have blown so many of those games over the past, what, five years or so? They couldn't beat up on an atrocious Colts team last year. I mean, the Colts had no business winning that game, and they dominated the Texans. The Bills shouldn't even worry about gunning down the Pats at this point during these next two games. Tom already lost his three games for the year. It's over. Look what you got in front of you, the Texans in the playoffs, and then you can worry about the Pats because that's probably who you're going to play next if it all works out. Uh, and no, the Patriots, despite clinching a playoff berth and quite possibly their seventh Super Bowl, um, that they're in the middle of yet another cheating scandal. Another one. This is what makes three. There was Spygate in 2007 when they were caught stealing play calls at a Jets practice. Uh, there was Deflategate in 2015 when they were accused of lowering the air pressure in the footballs in the AFC Championship game against the Indianapolis Colts. And now they're being accused of stealing play calls yet again, this time from the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep, they were trying to get an upper hand on one of the worst teams in the league today. Why do you need to cheat? But according to Fox Sports' Michael Strahan, the answer is simple. The Bengals have a new head coach, and finally they have a new head coach because the guy that they had for the past 12 years just wasn't working out. It's kind of like the Jason Garrett situation in Dallas. And uh, after Jay Glazier... Uh, exposed the video, which first aired on Fox NFL Sunday yesterday. Terry Bradshaw questioned the Patriots' motivation to capture illicit footage of, quote-unquote, a team that they can beat. Yeah, the Bengals, one of the worst teams in football. Uh, But Michael Strahan, of course, pushes back. He says, you can't say for a team that they can beat. Um, That's a bad excuse because this is a team with a new head coach and they have no film. They don't know anything about this guy's system. This is a way to compile information on a new coach's system. So you can't just say that they should beat this team, though they are one of the worst teams in football. I mean, out of all the teams that they could cheat against, uh, if that were the case, none of this uh, stuff in in the past would have happened. That, that's what uh, New England's uh, past cheating scandals have sufficed, according to Michael Strahan. And additionally, the 2015 report from uh, ESPN suggested that, uh, and according to several former Patriots coaches, spying helped them uh, most against less sophisticated teams like the Dolphins and the Bills, chief among them, whose coaches didn't bother changing their signals. And the Bengals hired former L.A. Rams quarterbacks coach Zach Taylor as the 10th head coach in franchise history back in February. And Taylor had no head coaching experience prior to taking over uh, the helm in Cincinnati. So any information that Bill and the Pats could acquire on the 36-year-old would be brand new information. And the NFL has yet to announce any uh, official punishment for New England, but the league has suggested it hopes to uh, complete its investigation shortly and act swiftly on the matter. The Patriots insist head coach Bill Belichick had no involvement 
in the illicit efforts because he keeps denying it. He says we have nothing to do with that. But we could say whatever we want about this. The Patriots 11-3 and on the season after a win against the Bengals on Sunday. They clinch yet another playoff berth. They're projected as the second seed right now as we take a look at the NFL playoff picture for the time being. It's the Ravens as the one seed in the AFC. We'll start with the AFC. Ravens 12-2. and They're the first seed. Patriots 11-3. and They'll be the second seed. Uh, you got the Chiefs 10-4. and They'll be the third seed. Uh, Texans, like I said, 9-5, and five, projected as the fourth seed, but we all know how that goes. Bills would be the fifth seed. Like I said, it would be Bills-Texans in the first round of the wildcard matchup, as well as the Chiefs hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have done a nice job turning things around, although uh, you got the Tennessee Titans uh, chasing their tail right now. They're 8-6 and six as well in the hunt as the, uh, the, the seventh seed at the moment, so we'll see if the Titans are able to squeak in. But right now it's Ravens, Pats, Chiefs, Texans, Bills, Steelers. The first round of matchups would be Bills, Texans, Steelers, Chiefs. I think you got to go the Chiefs over the Steelers or the Titans. They're just too dominant at home, especially at Arrowhead. So the Chiefs most likely going on to play, it would be the Patriots. So then the Bills, assuming they could beat the Texans, which I think they have a 1 million percent chance of doing, it would be Bills-Ravens. And they, they've proven that they could contend with Lamar Jackson a few weeks ago at home, even though they lost, but they did a pretty nice job uh, combating that defense. Bills, Ravens, and Pats Chiefs, two of the more competitive games on the AFC side coming into the divisional round of that shapes out. And then, of course, in the NFC, uh, things have taken a turn here. So the 49ers, now who are the, fir- the number one seed for most of the season, have now taken a back seat. They'd be the fifth seed, which is terrible news for the Cowboys because the Cowboys are currently fourth. So right now it's the Seahawks as the number one seed as 11-3. and three. Packers, 11-3 and three as well. They'd be the number two seed. And then you got the Saints, 10-3. and three. They'd be the three seed coming out of the South. Cowboys, of course, coming out of that abysmal NFC East at 7-7 seven and seven currently. They'd be the fourth seed. 49ers currently the fifth seed. So that could change, though. It could be Seattle. It could be 49ers. And then the Vikings as the sixth seed at 10-4. and four. So the matchups would be uh, the Saints hosting the Vikings. Again, even, mano-a-mano matchup. And then you got the Cowboys and the 49ers which should be no problem for the 49ers the way the Cowboys play. But again, you really don't know what team's going to show up for Dallas. It could be a very good team. It could be a very bad team. But against a very good Jimmy Garoppolo team and the 49ers who are projected to possibly quite battle Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year, I I don't see it happening. It would be Cowboys, 49ers, and Dallas, Saints, Vikings, in New Orleans. I'd probably go 49ers. 49ers as the five seed, and I'd probably go the Saints since they're at home. You probably see Saints, Packers, and then 49ers, Seahawks. Again, two very interesting matchups in the divisional round. So it should be a fun playoff race this season. If I'm going to predict a Super Bowl matchup right now, I'm predicting Patriots 49ers. I'm going Garoppolo Brady. It's a good matchup. Uh, former backup quarterback going up against the, the current starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Should be interesting. We'll see again Eagles, Cowboys next Sunday night for the NFC Championship game. They better be on their A game. Again, regardless, they could win the Super Bowl this year. Jason Garrett's got to go. That's my final take on that. So let's uh, wrap this up. Let's go into WWE TLC took place last night in the Twin City, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Again, a lot went down. It was underwhelming, but there were some memorable moments. Of course, Daniel Bryan returning after that three-week hiatus after getting his hair ripped out by the fiend Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt 
the host of Firefly Funhouse actually wrestled his first match last night. So that was interesting. I was kind of intrigued to see how that was going to go against The Miz. Uh, Roman Reigns and King Corbin continued their lackluster feud with all the dog food and whatnot. So let's get into it, WWE TLC. But first, a quick word. It's the holiday season. Let's take a quick word here from STI Holiday. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year? Why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com? Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. All right, WWE Universe, WWE TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs had their 2019 edition live from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They got the Target Center, they got Target Field, they got a ton of Targets. Here are the results at the uh, end of the day. So it started, uh, I think this was honestly one of the best matches of the night. I mean, a lot of people say it was kind of slow and methodical to start. The New Day versus The Revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship in a ladder match. It was an interesting one to be booked as the opening match. Again, a lot of people thought it was slow and methodical. It really isn't the conventional approach to pop a crowd and and start a show with the uh, most uh, obvious difference between AEW and WWE with AEW matches, of course, would probably be a cruiserweight match and would be a high-energy match, balls-to-the-walls, spot fest. I, I'm not saying it's necessary, but it's a noticeable difference. This was more of a redemption match for Kofi Kingston. Everybody knows the story. WWE champion for nearly six months. Worked his ass off to get to the top. Beats Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Only to lose it seven months later to Brock Lesnar in about seven seconds on the premiere on uh, SmackDown on Fox. And he was swept under the rug. Wasn't even given a rematch. And now he's on Raw. Uh, Kofi was the star of this match. Getting the, the hope spot at the end and winning the match for him and Big E. It looked like the Revival was going to win. It looked like Big E had really uh, effed up his knee there at one point in the match. But Kofi Kingston becoming the star in this match, well-deserved. The SmackDown Tag Team Championship stays with the New Day. So I guess it's a nice consolation prize for Kofi Kingston. But at the end of the day, you'd like to see him get a rematch, even if it's against Bray Wyatt. I know he's not beating Bray Wyatt, but at least give him some, give the fans something to hope for for Kofi Kingston. He was just swept back under the rug, back into the tag team division, like like his entire seventh month uh, his entire seven month run as champion was for absolutely nothing. And then there was a backstage segment after the match. I'm all for King Corbin as a heel. He's the best heel in the business right now. I get the idea of turning Xbox heat into something that can... uh, But, oh, boy, this guy cannot cut a promo to save his life. I mean, sure, it could be part of the gimmick that he's bad on the mic. Again, a bad heel. But you actually have to be good in the first place to subvert the standard. And Corbin is just plain bad. And that that was to lead up to his match with uh, Roman Reigns in a TLC match. Then there was Aleister Black versus uh, Buddy Murphy. 
Buddy Murphy is a fine worker, but as long as he wears those dangly trunks, I can't take this idiot seriously. Uh, Add the awful haircut to the look, and this guy will forever be the best wrestler to never win a single goddamn title. This match is a prime example of the value that uh, blood still serves in pro wrestling matches, as it should. Alistair Black had his uh, nose legitimately broken, and every bit of offense that he got in after it started leaking had added a bit of intensity. These two put on a uh, well-paced match with a slow build uh, to some good chain wrestling, but unfortunately the crowd never really seemed to be into it. Again, Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy, good matchup to me. wasn't good enough for the WWE Universe in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and after this match it led to uh, yet another backstage segment. This one was about the Rusev, Bobby Lashley, and Lana uh, drama that's going on, which really it's bad. And Rusev claims uh, his back and uh, or he's back and he's damn right he is. So, all right. So way back at All Out, I gave uh, All Elite Wrestling a lot of crap for blatantly uh, shilling out for Cracker Barrel with that weird hardcore match that they had that was nothing but a plug for Lovely Chain. So I have to give WWE as much crap for shelling out for KFC as the Viking Raiders made their way to the ring. It was a Raw Tag Team Championship match, open challenge from the Viking Raiders with a random family from Minneapolis, Minnesota sitting ringside uh, eating KFC as a promotion. So then the OC, Gallows and Anderson from the club, Answered the challenge. It ended in a double countout, so a complete waste of everybody's time. Jerry Lawler, though, proclaimed that KFC is his favorite, which further reinforced that he clearly has no taste. This this match, uh, it was just mirrored by cuts to the fans who are sitting right at ringside smashing their uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which I have to say, if if these are actual fans and not just plants, then the greasy folding table that they're sitting at the right corner of the ring next to the barricade by the entrance ramp are pretty nice seats. They're wicked seats. Anyway, this match was all right, but it's hard to be sure when they keep showing the chicken eaters and talking about how good KFC is. I hope they're getting paid for a lot of this product placement because that that's uh, that's a crappy take. And the match ended, of course, with a double countout. Like I said, a kind of a waste of everybody's time. And it frankly made no sense. The crowd hated it. Uh, the people watching around the world hated it. And it's clear that the fans at the KFC table were, in fact, plants as they acted way too calm as uh, Luke Gallows dragged their tables away from them and to set up a table spot there. Very disappointing. Anyway, the, the Viking Raiders get the last spot, driving Anderson through uh, the table. This is probably setting up a longer feud between the two, but what a waste. The next one, of course, like I mentioned uh, before, King Corbin, horrible on the mic, equally as bad in the ring. He has a few good spots, but it was King Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a TLC match, and I immediately realized something as King Corbin made his way to the ring. If King Corbin went away from WWE tomorrow, literally no one would care. If he jumped to All Elite Wrestling and appeared as Baron Corbin or whatever, nobody would care. I get why Corbin gets some credit for the reactions he's getting from the crowd, but watching him painfully, watching him try and cut a backstage promo is lukewarm reaction as it gets uh, carried to the ring and his awful generic theme music with the, the, the royalty mashed together, this guy sucks. I mean, Corey Graves makes mention that Corbin's uh, strikes are lethal, like quote-unquote his strikes are lethal, could be the one of the best big men in WWE uh, moving forward in the future. I think that's what Booker T said. I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer and he's planting Baron Corbin like that. I mean, he's not. Michael Cole mentioned that, um, uh, again, Booker T, could he could be one of the best big men in history. He's not going to be. I'm realizing as I watch this match now how much I can't stand this guy. This is not the best SmackDown has to offer for a top heel, right? 
I mean, geez, I, I have to say that this Minnesota crowd might be one of the worst I've seen in a while. I can't say that they're the worst I've heard since they barely make any freaking sound. It's brutal. Anyways, throughout this match, it's going back and forth. Roman's about to win. Dolph Ziggler randomly appears. The super kick reigns, and then the Revival come down to help Corbin, and the security detail attacked Reigns, too, and it was at six, and, six on one at one point. Corbin wins with uh, the end of days to a steel chair, and honestly, not the ending I expected. I expected Roman to win probably going into WrestleMania season, Royal Rumbles next month. I, ex- I fully expect Roman Reigns to fight Bray Wyatt the Fiend for the Universal title at WrestleMania. And the more Reigns loses, the better for his character long-term, I guess. But the finish came pretty suddenly, and the crowd barely reacted to it, which led to uh, probably the most anticipated match of the night, Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse host, versus The Miz. Great storyline building up to it, even though it was only a two-week buildup. Bray Wyatt, of course, ripping the hair out of Daniel Bryan. Nobody's seen him in about a month. The Miz standing up for his uh, fallen enemy. And uh, Bray Wyatt and then attacks Miz and his family. So Bray Wyatt is probably the hottest gimmick in wrestling right now. And this crowd couldn't give two craps about him during his entrance. The, the crowd was awful in Minnesota. The match itself was all right. Wyatt doing some great storytelling, flipping between his personas, uh, between the Firefly Funhouse host and kind of the Fiend. He wasn't the Fiend, but like he was losing his crap there for a while. Uh, while uh, he lets Miz get most of the offense in and laughs while it happens. He laughs during all the pain that Miz endorses in the match. The finish was pretty predictable. Wyatt winning with two sister Abigails. But then uh, Wyatt gets the, I don't even know what it was, a sledgehammer, a mallet uh, with the Fiend's face on it. It was about to smash Miz's head in, and then the lights went out. He thought the Fiend was going to come out. He's probably going to put the mask on while the lights were out. But then Daniel Bryan appeared with his hood up and uh, hit Bray with the running knee, attacked Bray while an image of the Fiend was on the Titantron, again, kind of uh, kind of insinuating that he was giving Bray orders to smash Miz's head in. But then Daniel Bryan reveals his, uh, again, New haircut. He's back to the American Dragon look that it was in 2012. He, he, he trimmed his beard, shaved his head. Uh, pretty disappointing, but the god-awful crowd actually got hot for a second. It got hot for him, and so it's good to know that they still have a pulse throughout the night, and then Wyatt disappears. The lights went out again, so the feud keeps on going. I'm still into it. I don't like the new look for Daniel Bryan. I never really liked that 2011-2012 look that he had with the shaved head and the short beard. Uh, we'll see why he did it. Maybe he just got sick of his long hair. I know I, I, I can feel that. But I think most people will agree that it's not his A look. The A look is the long hair, the long beard now. He's back to the American Dragon where he started in WWE. We'll see how this feud unravels heading into the Royal Rumble. The next match again, uh, we turn back to the Bobby Lashley versus Rusev uh, tables match. I think we all knew how this match was going to go. Rusev was going to get the upper hand on Bobby Lashley throughout the most of the match, and then Lana would interfere, and Bobby Lashley would take advantage by slamming Rusev for a table, and that's what happened. Rusev lost. There isn't much else to say about this match. Lashley wins with uh, the over-the-head belly-to-belly through a table into a tree of woe in the corner. This likely means that his feud continues with Bobby Lashley. I'm still not into this. I will never be into this. We'll see. The Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. That was actually the main event of the show. So back-to-back women's main event uh, uh, of the show. It was Becky Lynch uh, and Blazer and Bailey in the main event of Survivor Series. Now it's the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair for the women's tag team titles. And this match gets... Points for innovation with a huge bull rope playing a a bog factor. Becky was beaten with it and then tied to a prone ladder. 
like a like a like a dog in an old timey picture to a train track. So since this was a tornado uh, tornado tag team format, this acted like a hot tag when Charlotte finally untied her and then she stormed back to the ring. But since Daniel Bryan isn't in this match, they barely cared. Charlotte takes a hard bump as uh, Kiri Zane power bombs her through the apron, through a table on the outside. And then Becky uh, gets yanked off the ladder that she uh, had the rope still attached to it uh, by Asuka, who then pulls the titles down to win the match. This match tried its hardest to be a good hardcore match with uh, the absurd spots. Zane was pulled from under the ring and doused Becky and Charlotte with a fire extinguisher. Good move there. And uh, the extreme chairs to the face and a table spot. Uh, but the, Kubu- the Kabuki Warriors winning also surprised me a little bit. So it seems the bookers made a conscious choice to swerve the audience. Too bad they were all watching the Vikings beat the Saints over their smartphones because they were not paying attention to this entire pay-per-view at all. That has to be the reason since they were barely engaged in this event. So the pay-per-view goes off the air with a big brawl between Reigns, Corbin, and a bunch of SmackDown stars. So they don't even give the women credit at the end of the day. They don't even get let Asuka and Kiri Zane celebrate because Reigns and Corbin come out to end the show. So now Roman has allies, but he didn't earlier. Well, I got to make sure to tune into Friday to see what happens uh, about all that. But all in all, this pay-per-view stunk. Yes, the crowd sucked, but the promising card underdelivered. And even though there were some innovative things in the main event, there won't be any memorable uh, moments from this event. So on to the Royal Rumble. And I didn't expect this pay-per-view to be that well, considering that they didn't even put the card together until six days before. They literally had a week before they realized, oh my God, we haven't put anything on this pay-per-view card. But the big one, of course, is going to be the Royal Rumble. Let, let's get into Royal Rumble p- predictions after watching the TLC event. But first, a quick word from Mecha Nutrition. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecha Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecha's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most Most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecha Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecha Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecha Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. WWE Royal Rumble predictions for 2020. Again, TLC was the final WWE pay-per-view of the decade. A lot of great matches in this decade. We'll talk about those later in the week. But TLC is over with. Royal Rumble 
2020 in Houston, Minute Maid Park, home of the land of the Cheaters, the Houston Astros. We'll see what happens. It's going to be another second year in a row. It's going to be inside of a stadium, so that should be interesting. Chase Field last year was in attendance for that one. Kind of an underwhelming pay-per-view, kind of very predictable. Seth Rollins won the Royal Rumble match. Becky Lynch won the Women's Royal Rumble match. Brock Lesnar beat up on Finn Balor. Not much really happened. But this year, it should be an interesting card leading up. And here's some of my predictions going into it. Obviously, we just touched on the Bray Wyatt-Daniel Bryan situation for the Universal Championship. Probably going to go down again. It'll probably be the Fiend Bray Wyatt going up against the American Dragon Daniel Bryan. For the Universal Championship at Royal Rumble, who's to say that they won't add a stipulation? I could see some weird, wacky, wishy-washy Bray Wyatt stipulation. Remember the House of Horrors match with Randy Orton? Won't be something like that because that was atrocious. But I could see them coming up. I mean, they came up with a, a title for The Fiend. He's got his own show. He's got his own mask. Wouldn't be shocked to see his own match for the Universal Championship against Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble, because this is probably the best storyline going on right now for WWE for its two top championships. Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship. We'll see if they add a stimulation. Uh, for the WWE Championship match, obviously Brock Lesnar is probably coming back for the Royal Rumble big event inside of a stadium. Here's where I'm going with this. I think they're just going to plug Brock Lesnar into a, a, a storyline with two other superstars that's going on right now. And what two better superstars to plug him in against? Against probably the top uh, rivalry on Raw right now, and that's Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. I'm predicting for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens in a triple threat match. Obviously, you could see signs of the 2015 Royal Rumble when it was Lesnar, Cena, and Rollins. Rollins had J&J security backing him up. This time, he's going to have AOP backing him up. Uh, Seth Rollins could easily just be like, I brought Raw back to prominency. I beat Brock Lesnar twice. I could do it again now that he's got AOP. Brock Lesnar shows up, and then you had Kevin Owens in the mix because he'd be the babyface. And who doesn't want to see Brock Lesnar versus Kevin Owens? It's the one match we haven't seen yet. We've seen Lesnar versus Styles. We've seen Lesnar versus Rollins. We've seen Lesnar versus Orton. Lesnar versus Mysterio. We've seen it all. Brock Lesnar versus Kevin Owens is one match we haven't seen yet. Lesnar, Rollins, Owens. You let that Rollins-Owens storyline continue heading into WrestleMania season. Uh, then you have the big the big match with Lesnar. And then Lesnar could go on to face probably, I think, the current plan, Lesnar versus Tyson Fury at WrestleMania. And I'll get into that prediction shortly. But the other, I think there's going to be two triple threat matches at WWE Royal Rumble. It's going to be Lesnar, Rollins, and Owens for the WWE Championship. And then I'm predicting Orton, Styles, and Mysterio for the United States Championship. Another match where uh, Rey Mysterio beat it. He beat AJ Styles for the U.S. Championship because of Randy Orton. Randy Orton distracting him because uh, Orton was screwed over by the OC in a number one contenders match a few moments before that on Raw a few weeks ago. We're, get, we're seeing Randy Orton versus AJ Styles tonight on Raw. So I'm predicting that they both get a U.S. title shot. It's going to be Randy Orton versus AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship at Minute Maid Park, which leads me to the two Royal Rumble matches. So the two Royal Rumble matches, obviously, uh, for the men, I think I got to go with Tyson Fury. He's probably going to come back. He's probably going to win the match. If it's not Tyson Fury, it's going to be Roman Reigns because, again, I I 1,000% think it's going to be Roman Reigns versus The Fiend at WrestleMania for the Universal Championship. And then they want Lesnar versus Fury for the WWE title, which stinks if you're a WWE fan because all those guys, I go back to the Kofi Kingston storyline, seven months as champion, worked his ass off for it. His entire career has been a full-timer for almost 15 years. Lesnar comes in one show, one night, beats him in seven seconds, and doesn't show up anymore. And then you're going to have Tyson Fury come along, who's only wrestled one match, and he beat Braun Strowman, a very non-technical wrestling match. 
and you're going to have Lesnar versus Tyson Fury. Of course, Tyson Fury has to be the uh, boxing champion, WBO boxing champion, in order for this to happen. That's the only way Vince wants it to go down if Tyson Fury is still undefeated. But Lesnar versus Fury for the WWE Championship, though intriguing, it doesn't have to be for the WWE Championship because that defeats the value of having a WWE Championship when the WWE Champion never shows up. If this is going to be the case, why not have a Money in the Bank match? At WrestleMania, that way one of these two could lose the title after WrestleMania, maybe the night after on Monday Night Raw. That way they're not on hiatus for the next four months leading into SummerSlam. So uh, Tyson Fury, it's either going to be Tyson Fury, it's going to be Roman Reigns winning the men's Royal Rumble match. On the women's side, it's going to be Ronda Rousey. That's what I'm predicting. Ronda Rousey comes in as entry number 30, wins the match. You see Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36. One year, nah, about... Yeah, about uh, 15 months in the making. Becky Lynch uh, pinning Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 35, though in kind of a, uh, uh, you could say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sketchy outcome. I mean, her, her shoulders were not pinned to the mat. The referee counted three, kind of a screwy finish to pin Ronda Rousey, so they can always piggyback on that storyline. Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey. Uh, it won't be the main event. I still think the main event will probably be... Well, now that I think about it, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a go-ahead main event. You're going to have Wyatt Reigns. You're going to have Lesnar Fury. Rousey versus Lynch. I mean, I guess whoever the Undertaker wrestles, this could be his last WrestleMania if they choose to go with him. John Cena could come back. We'll see what happens. It should be interesting. I guess there really isn't a, a huge plan for WrestleMania this year, which is both good and bad if, if you're a fan. But those are my Royal Rumble predictions. Bray Wyatt, Daniel Bryan, of course, Universal Championship. Would not be shocked to see a wacky, wishy-washy stimulation there. Lesnar, Rollins, Owens, why not? Lesnar, he's going to come back and you're going to pit him against a superstar like Randy Orton just to beat him. That, that makes no sense. Put him against Lesnar, uh, Lesnar, Rollins, Owens. Give the fans something worth their money inside the juice box at Minute Maid Park. Orton, Styles, Mysterio, you know that's going to be a phenomenal in-ring match. Uh, the Royal Rumble match, again, shouldn't have too many surprise factors. I think it's either Fury or it's Reigns. Women's Royal Rumble match, no doubt in my mind, it's Ronda Rousey. This was episode 130 of the O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. Uh, we're sponsored by TickPick. Be sure to use the promo code OSHOW10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com. Should have used TickPick. You should use it for this Sunday's game between the Cowboys and the Eagles on Sunday night. NFC title game. It's a big game for the boys. We'll see if they come through in Philly against Carson Wentz's Eagles. And then we're also sponsored by Mecca Nutrition. Remember, if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, use the promo code OSHO20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. We got Keith McPherson, John Boy Media's talking, uh, talking Nets host, host of Talking Nets, as well as the co-host for George's Box on Bronx Pinstripes, joining the show tomorrow. Should be an inter- interesting conversation, so watch out for that one. Keith McPherson on the O Show tomorrow. This was episode 130. Hit it, Hootie.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.